Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. Not a great week for the Blackhawks, but it did end on a high note. So uh, let's jump into the three games this week. It began in Arizona against the Coyotes, and this game got off to an immediate bad start. Uh, the Coyotes scored two goals within the first five minutes of the six minutes of the game. They added a third at the end of the first period, and the Blackhawks did score a couple goals, but they never were within two goals, more than, or never were within a goal, and they eventually lost. Yeah, the game was never close. Game was no, never it was close. not. Eventually, it was a five to two loss, and I don't know much else to say about this game. It. Yeah. The. The Coyotes are just a bad matchup for the Blackhawks. I, I, they're kind of like the Western Conference equivalent of the uh, Hurricanes. They're they're quick, and they play a pretty solid defensive game, and that's two things that the Blackhawks just can't cope with. Yes. And so now we go to uh, a couple days later, uh, Saturday night, in St. Louis against the Blues, and, oh, this game. Uh I guess I'll just get into it, but the Blackhawks were getting completely dominated in this game. The Blues were all over them, pretty much from the jump. But the Blues could not score. For whatever, you know, there's some good goaltending from Crawford, but they just couldn't finish their great chances. So the score stayed 0-0 through the first period, and the Blackhawks actually took a lead. Brendan Saad, who has had horrible luck this season. Finally got some luck. He scored uh, 20 seconds into the second period to give the Blackhawks a one nothing lead. And again, the Blues were dominating. But we got to the third period, still one nothing, And Saad again in the first minute scored in the third period to make it 2 to nothing. Then Patrick Sharp, or not Patrick, Patrick Sharp, listen to me, Patrick Kane, <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it's flashing back to the good old days in this game. But Patrick Kane had a very, very nice goal. Just a wicked wrist shot from the slot, and it gave the Blackhawks a 3 to nothing lead. And I, of course, broke the rule that no one should break. I should never tweet, and I did. And I said, it might be nice for the Blackhawks to finally win a stupid game they have no business winning. And... I don't even know if I hit send on the tweet. And the Blues just, like a house of fire, uh, Tyler Bozak scored two goals in succession. Then Jacob De La Rose scored a third goal to tie the score. And then Justin Falk, by this point of the game, when it was 3-3, you're just like, get it over with already, Blues. We know you're going to win. And Justin Falk... Scored with about two and a half minutes in the game. And it just... This is a game the Blackhawks should not have won. But the way they lost it, it just... Ugh. I don't know what else I can add. It was painful. So, I'll ask you then about... We'll go to the last game in a minute, but... What a... What do we make of this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the the nail on the head. Crawford was amazing in the first period, kept a minute, and 
the Blackhawks were able to get a you know a, a fairly quick goal in the second period, and you're thinking, oh, you know, maybe this is a game where you know the goaltending steals one for you. You know, the Blackhawks had no business still being in the game after just you know a terrible first period where I think they had one shot on goal for the first like 19 and a half minutes of the period. Yeah, the the but you know they as you say the possession chart was just like gruesome for that period. Yeah, it was it was a terrible, terrible, terrible first period. But you know they came out unscathed and they responded in the second, played pretty well in the second, and then you know they were managed to build up the three zero lead. But this team, I, I think it's like the third three zero lead they've blown this year, and. You know that's on top of the multiple, you know, two goal game, two goal leads that they've blown. So it was just it was it was brutal for a team that you know couldn't afford to give away points to have a three goal lead with less than a period to play and not be able to come away with any points in the game was just a a real kick in the nuts. Yes. There's no other way to put it. And but amazingly, just a day later, they actually did show up. I thought this might be Yep, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, even in this game actually, but um uh, they went came home to take on the wild uh Saturday or Sunday, and they got off to a good start again. Uh Patrick Kane got two goals. His first goal originally was called no goal. They reviewed it. The puck had just barely gotten past the line before hitting the goalie's pad, so it was counted as a goal. Uh, then Kane got a nice power play goal to give the Blackhawks a 2 nothing lead. But again, this is the Blackhawks, so that two-goal lead became a tie game. Uh, Eric Stahl scored on the power play late in the first, and then... The Wild scored early in the second to tie the score. And, you know, you got those same feelings again. Here we go. But the Blackhawks answered back this time. David Comp scored to give the Blackhawks a 3-2 lead. But, again, the score of the first goal was also the score of the second goal as Kevin Fiala scored to tie the score again. But this time the Blackhawks... Finally would not be denied. Brandon Saad, who's suddenly on fire, was able to tip in a goal to give the Blackhawks a 4-3 lead, and Patrick Kane got a late empty net goal to give him a hat trick, which I believe is the first, um, is this the first Blackhawks hat trick of the year? I think it might be. It was something else I can't remember, but anyway, the Blackhawks, uh, Took home the 5-3 win, so I guess you could say this week wasn't a total loss. Yeah. It was... After the way that they lost the St. Louis game, it was just another one of those points in the season where you think, this team's done. There's no coming back from that. And then the very next night they come out and sure, they they struggled a little bit at times, but they ended up coming away with some big points in a game against a team that was as hot as any in the NHL at the time. Yeah, so 
it's just it's really frustrating to watch this team. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. It's like they can't play a complete game. They can't put two or three game, good games in a row together. They can't even put two or three good periods in a row together. It's just it's so frustrating watching the breakdowns in coverage, breakdowns in effort, and then you know next to the the overwhelming skill that they have to be able to pull points out when they shouldn't mm-hmm. sometimes. It's it's just very frustrating. Well, I guess, you know, with a defense the way it's currently put together, I don't know, maybe this is about as good as you're going to get, that they're going to have these massive defensive breakdowns with such a weakened defense core, but you'd still like to see... Like, when you're up 3 nothing. I mean, could you at least get, get to overtime... But I guess maybe yeah. that's asking too much for this team. There's really no excuse for that. It, to, to, and for it to happen multiple times within a half of a season is just, it's not acceptable at the NHL level. All right, so I guess I will ask some one good thing to come out of this week. Is Brandon Saad finally off to Schneid? Can he, he's seeing the puck go in the net finally, so maybe he can go on a little bit of a hot streak. That would be that would be nice. Uh, it, it's good to see his his play pay off for him of late. He's been the Hawks' most consistent player all season in terms of effort. I mean, obviously Patrick Kane's the most consistent in terms of production, but Sod's been the guy that his game. He's he's been the one guy where you can count on him pretty much every night to have a positive impact on the team, drive possession generate scoring chances for himself and his line mates but yeah there were some stretches where the puck just wasn't going in for him he's not a guy that's got a lot of finish to his game 90 percent of his goals seem to come off of tips tippins or scrums in front of the net well we know and, yeah he we know he can't oh go ahead you know he can't finish breakaways i mean his breakaway yes, moves yeah. are not good Right, and you know he's a guy that they never call on in the shootouts for, you know, probably pretty obvious reasons. There, that's just not, a, you know, a skill he possesses in great abundance. He's, he's a guy that is your prototype north-south forward, going to drive hard to the net, and if you get the puck to him in that area, he can sometimes force it in and good getting rebounds. But then he's also responsible defensively, going to get back, going to be in position the majority of the time. So he's a good complement to Taves in that regard, especially now that Taves isn't quite as consistent in that regard himself. He needs to he needs some help to kind of carry that load a little bit with the two with the two way game. So it that's at least been a, a good combo. And since they've they've promoted Saad to Taves' line, we've seen Taves' scoring increase dramatically. And I think it's, even though Saad doesn't finish a lot of chances himself, he is generating some for Taves, but then also he's helping Taves with the possession part of the game, just being able to get the puck out of the defensive zone and hold on to it in the offensive zone a little bit more. So that's that's been a good combination for the Hawks. That that's rarely been that line 
the Taves line was a, a big issue through the first 10 games or so, maybe even 15 games. Taves wasn't playing real well, and they weren't... Colleton wasn't giving him good mm-hmm. line mates to play with. Uh, that's that's sort of been rectified over you know the last 20 games or so, and Saad's been a big part of that. Well, you know, you speaking of Taves' other line mates, there's... I mean, this thing with some of the beat writers even... We're talking about what does Alex Nylander have to do to get scratched for a game? Because it's not going very good for him. No, it's not. But it's not like they have anybody else that is is really beating down the door for playing time. He's still one of the Hawks' better Mm -hmm. skill guys. And I don't mind, especially in a season like this where things aren't going all that great and we're still focused more on building towards the future at this point I, I want Alex Nylander to play every game regardless of what he does he's got to learn and if he doesn't learn then you know eventually you got to move on from him but this isn't a situation where you're you know like Kirby Doc where he's an 18 year old who is still physically maturing and getting used to playing an 82 game schedule Alex Nylander's been been around for a couple of years he's probably as big as he's ever going to get he he needs to adapt to the pace of the nhl game there's still too many instances where he slows the play down too much or he seems to stumble at times when he's got to move his feet and make a play with the puck at the same time he seems to play at his best when he he seems to make his best offensive plays when he's stationary. He he does well on the power play when he's got a little bit more space. He does well when he's able to kind of curl back in the offensive zone and kind of survey. But when he's really trying to to drive hard with the puck while he's skating, he just he, he seems to seems to struggle with that aspect, and I, I it's something where I think he just needs to continue to play and continue to work on that aspect of his game to kind of get his hands and his feet working in unison more often. And it it's maybe a limiting factor in his game that's never going to come around. I don't yeah. know. You know, he's got all of the 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 separate tools that you need. But yeah, they just they're they're not they haven't all come together yet, and you know I, I the the icing play that he had in I think it was the St. Louis game or maybe it was the Minnesota game I can't remember, but one of those the weekend games he had he had a a, a bad icing uh, decision, and then in the I think it was the Arizona game there was a two on one that he had with Kirby Doc where Doc was carrying the puck into the offensive zone and Nylander stopped like five feet inside the blue line and waited for a one-timer. And you could just tell by Kirby Doc's reaction. He's like, what the heck are you doing? Where, you know, generally on a two-on-one, you're driving to... Yeah, you got to give him another option. Not like a slap yeah, shot from <laughs> You, you don't you don't want a fifty foot slap shot as, as the result of a two on one, and 
there was like a, a second defender kind of back checking a little bit where I I think he probably could have broken up a play if they would have driven towards the net, but you still gotta you still gotta force them to do that because just a, a one timer from fifty feet is is not is not a good enough result out of that. So there, there's those boneheaded plays like that where you just you, you hope he can learn, and I don't I don't think that's the sort of thing where he's going to learn much from the bench. Yeah, and so you know, I, it's I, the other thing too that they're like, "We'll get Dylan Sakura," and I'm like, "Well, I guess," but you could bench someone like a Zach Smith or someone and put Sakura right. and yeah, Nylander, guys that you might I, eventually become something. Exactly. Yeah. It, I would prefer them to play Dylan Sakura a little bit just to see. Um, I don't think Zach Smith needs to to suit up every game. Matthew Highmore isn't exactly making a huge impact, although he's been okay. But he's not an offensive player, and this is a team that's been struggling to score up until the Minnesota game. I mean, in their previous... Uh, like five games before that, they were averaging like two goals a game. And so, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Dylan Sakura get more than, what did he play, like one or two games there, and then he's been on the bench the last yes. couple. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see him in there. But I, I want to see Kirby Doc and Nylander suit up basically every game. I, I'm okay with Doc getting a, a rest every once in a while just because, you know, he's 18 and he's probably not ready for the 82-game grind. So if they want to rest him on occasion, I'm cool with it. Yeah. But, uh, Nyland- Nylander's got to be in there. And I, I was going to say, and too, um, I, a little um, note. Um, Boquist went past his 10th game, so he cannot go back to juniors now. That's No, no. Uh, he he uh, the, What that was is uh, the first year of his entry-level oh, okay. contract, actually kicks in yeah so we can't slide his contract anymore so that was never going to happen anyway that was just more of a formality sort of thing so not a worry there yeah um but yeah it's just uh i i think the next uh sort of goal post with that is i'm trying to remember if it's 40 games or 50 games where i think it's 40 games so if you play half of a season is what you actually need to earn a, a year to count towards your free agency. Oh, okay. So that's kind of... If they're planning on bouncing Boquist up and down, I mean, obviously Doc's going to reach that. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, Nylander's going to reach that. And I would assume that they're planning on Boquist reaching that as well. Um, he's probably, he, he, I still think Boquist will probably go down for at least a short amount of time, maybe once Duncan Keith returns here. Uh, but uh, Gustafson is going to get traded eventually, and Boquist will replace Yeah, him. and there's so not going to, in the second half, you're not going to see any, like, with Yoki Haru last year, where they sent him, like, the World Juniors or anything like that. Yeah, I thought that there was a chance, um, if, if Duncan Keith gets healthy and they they find a six man rotation that they 
they like and they decide to send Boquist down. I could see the Hawks preferring to have Boquist play in uh, the championships rather than in the AHL. But if Boquist is going to be in the NHL, they I, they won't send him. Uh, this won't be like uh, Yogi Hargi last year, where I think they were planning on sending him to the AHL, but the the junior championships gave them another option, basically. This time around, I, th- I think they want both of those guys in the NHL right now, and so that's, that's the preferred place. And I, I think those players are kind of in the same frame of mind for that. I, I think everybody would prefer to play in the NHL if they have that opportunity, but if they if it if it's between the AHL and the World Juniors, I think every one of them would choose the World Juniors without a doubt. So. Yeah. Well, I guess there's not many much more. I guess we could touch on the Crawford thing, uh, Mark Crawford. Uh, they announced the suspension through, yeah. I think, like January fourth. I think, if I read that right. I think it was January 2nd, I think, is his first game. Well, maybe that's either his last game where he's under suspension or his first game back. I can't remember. Yeah, but he issued a written statement where he said that he sought, like, psychiatric counseling or something to help with his anger management issues and stuff. And he said he's a changed guy and stuff, so I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean... it seems like he's at least taken the right steps. He hasn't made any bad PR moves. The team has, seems to have done their due diligence. I, I can't say really one way or the other in that I didn't really, you know, follow it very closely. I had just kind of assumed that he probably wasn't going to be back. But for a high-profile guy like Crawford, who's been around for a long time, if there wasn't a big outcry about him. I mean, we saw everybody coming out of the woodwork on a couple of, you know, Babcock and Peters, and there was a lot of pressure on those guys and the organizations that were employing them to to get rid of them. I think with Crawford, he probably is... The impression I've gotten is that he's just more along the lines of the traditional hard-nosed coach that occasionally goes over the line, but nobody really has a huge issue with him. But I may be wrong on that. Like I said, I didn't I didn't really I didn't really pay too close of attention to it, but if that's the case, I, I I'm cool with the slap on the wrist sort of thing, but I'm still I I, I would tend to side with <laughs> the victims in most places. I, I just I, I don't agree with abusive forms of Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. So it, it, it's tough for me, but at the same time, like I said, it, hockey's been a pretty traditional, hard-nosed a lot of those guys put up with stuff that they probably shouldn't, but it's kind of been accepted and if enough it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of people coming out and wanting Crawford's head. So as long as he seems repentant and wants, is, is actually serious about making improvements in his life and in his coaching style, I, I guess. Mm. I, I'm, 
I'm not going to complain too loudly, I guess. Well, and then there's the whole thing with the Stars coaches. I don't ever, I've never heard, I never even heard what happened with that. There's some unspecified thing. Yeah, I don't was, know what that was. That was really weird, and there was a lot of mystery around it, and I meant to kind of go back and do a little bit more research. I figure I figured more information would trickle out, uh, but I didn't really see anything, and I, I didn't I didn't take the time to do any digging on it. But yeah, that was that was strange. I mean, I must they must have known something, but I mean, I'm sure it'll come out in months ahead. Yeah. But yeah, there hasn't been anything else I'm about sure it, it so. Yeah, I mean, hockey's definitely going through a reckoning right now, and I I would imagine that this won't be the end of the surprises, or I should say the not-so-surprises in in some of these cases. I mean, um, you know, especially like Babcock, he was a guy that you always heard rumors about. Um, I hadn't really heard anything about Peters, but, you know, there's a lot of those kind of guys that kind of bounce around every couple of years where if you hear stuff like that it's it doesn't really shock you uh, and there's a reason why they bounce around a lot uh, i'll be honest with you though i am i guess maybe i should shouldn't be but i'm actually shocked that there hasn't been stuff about tortorella because he kind of has that reputation but you, you haven't heard any he seems to be more like the yelling yeah. type but not really the confrontational uh, to me he kind of seems more Maybe a less toned down Keenan. Yeah. I, I don't know that Keenan was ever a guy that was ever going to physically confront anybody. But, you know, for Chicago fans, I, I, the, the, the Keenan and Dick yes. types where they're just going to yell and scream. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I always hated that stuff, too. I think that wears thin very quickly and players mostly tune it out other than you know like maybe rookies mm-hmm. that hadn't really experienced it yet i just i don't i don't think that that plays well for a long time no and at least in keenan's in, at least in keenan's case he did seem to be a good coach where everywhere he went the teams improved he he was a guy that concentrated a little bit more on defense at a time when the league was wide open and so he he would go he would wear out his welcome very quickly wherever he would go because of his personality but he he did seem to have a uh, you know a positive strategic impression everywhere he went but even that eventually you know the league the league caught up when once the the dead puck era came around that whatever advantages he provided kind of ceased and yeah that's some yeah I, that that type of coach is not something that blackhawks era though that blackhawks era was kind of wild actually because you had uh keenan you know so fiery and then got replaced by uh daryl sutter who was like the exact opposite of fiery but they're and that's that. That's kind of the thing that you see a lot is you kind of have a player's coach or a more stoic type, and then you know the fans and the the organization seems to think, oh, we need to change the culture and we need to get somebody that's going to kick them in the butt and you know yell and scream and I, 
and then you get somebody like that and two years later everybody wants them gone <laughs> once once the uh um you know that impact wears thin or whatever well that's what i was gonna I just, yeah I, I would just, yeah before we get to the preview i a funny story just about how as times changed with like the internet and stuff how you learn information uh daryl sutter famously quit the blackhawks to go back to the family farm in alberta but it was something i saw in the local newspaper sports section like a day and a half after it happened that my dad came in and handed me the paper and said isn't this your coach for your team he just went to go farm and i'm like oh my god i guess so but nowadays that probably would have come out a little differently yeah, I would imagine that was maybe a little bit of cover. Uh, I'm sure that that wasn't actually the I case. I would think not, but... but yeah, I, I, it, you know, especially when you're dealing with an organization that was run by Wurtz at the time. I, I, I just assume there was something else going on, and this was the story that, that came out, and everybody was fine with it yeah, and but whatever. It... And, you know, and Sutter, Sutter, Sutter re-emerged yeah. elsewhere after. But as a little kid, I actually believed it. I actually thought, yeah, you <laughs> went to a farm. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Him and all of his other Sutter brothers are back there farming. I can only yes. imagine, yeah. Well, anyway, I'll kick it to you now for a preview of the week ahead for the Blackhawks. Oh, a preview of the week ahead. Hey, are you ready for three games in four nights? Oh, good. Because that's what the Blackhawks Blackhawks have that again. It's a little different this time in that it's not a a back-to-back on the weekend followed by a game on Tuesday. In this case, it's a back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday. The Wednesday game is going to be at home against Colorado, so a 7 o'clock Central start. Not looking forward to this one. Colorado is probably the fastest team in the NHL, and the Blackhawks are not. So (laughs) this is not a good matchup for the Blackhawks. You just kind of hope maybe at home they can hang with them. Going to need a good goaltending effort. Maybe you get a little carryover from the Minnesota game where the offense is, is clicking a little bit. But then they travel up to Winnipeg Thursday. Again, a 7 o'clock Central start. Winnipeg is not as good as the Avalanche. The the Jets aren't quite as good as they were last year. They've lost the majority of their defense, but they still got a lot of skill up front, still got a good goaltender, still a playoff caliber team that is just, you know, still frankly better than the Blackhawks. So that is not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination but the avalanche and the jets are two of the teams that the hawks are chasing so whatever playoff hopes that the hawks still have they gotta gotta come away with some points in those those games because then it doesn't get any easier because they go right back to colorado play the avalanche on saturday so that's that's the the game that really scares me Uh, we've talked about it in the past where the Hawks seem to play pretty decently in the back-to-back portion of of these scheduling quirks, especially in the second in the second game of the back-to-back. But that 
that third game in four nights is generally when they seem to just play awful and not show up and lack effort. Well, maybe maybe it's a lack of energy. Maybe I can give them a little bit of credit, but that's the game that really scares me. The 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 Avalanche at home against a tired Blackhawks. Yeah, just team. add for good. That game could get yeah for really good measure ugly. add high elevation game too, just to make it more right. fun. Yes, yes. On top of that, yes. Good good point. High elevation as the th- third game in four nights. But we do have a fourth game in the week, uh, so they'll, they'll have Sunday off, and then they'll they'll come back home, get to play a not very good New Jersey Devils team that just traded away, you know, their former MVP Taylor Hall. the the one The one good, or well, one bit of positive news that the Hawks have is that it appears Duncan Keith is close to coming back here. I, I think the original ETA was more around Christmas time or late in the month anyway, but it seems like he's practicing and it's possible he could play in at least one of these games this week. Um, you know, this this back-to-back here Wednesday, Thursday perhaps is a little too soon. I don't know. We'll see. But I, it would be a big boost for the team if he's at least back for that Colorado game on Saturday because, like I said, that is the game that really scares me. Yeah, it would be nice to just just to stabilize the defense in general because it's been pretty wobbly the right. past couple games. Yep. And it, I guess on in further injury news, um, the Calvin DeHaan injury does seem to be serious. However, he is apparently seeking a second opinion before he goes ahead with any you know major decisions it sounds it sounds like maybe that first opinion was you need to have mm-hmm. more surgery on your shoulder um, so as we kind of expected it it doesn't seem like very good news on that front so getting Duncan Keith back is even is even more imperative for this yeah because anytime you're going for second opinions it's usually if you if, Right. Someone told you you're going to be. It's usually. Yeah, if you're going to be back in two weeks, you don't usually seek another opinion. Right. Right. You're usually seeking a second opinion from a surgeon. Yes. Um, and then, as far as their forwards, Shaw and Kajula both seem to still be in the concussion protocol. Doesn't seem to be any hope that those guys are going to be back. Yeah, I mean, the guy like a. At least this week. With, yeah, with a guy like long. a Shaw, too, it's almost getting to the scary. Corey Crawford, like, where you get worried how many more concussions can someone withstand. Yeah. I, with Crawford, it, I think it was a little bit more severe and the, the, the fact that he went out for the second time for that, that really long stretch after he just took one shot off of his helmet. That that was the thing that really scared you. Although, you know, he's taken some shots off his helmet mm-hmm. this year and been able to come away fine. Uh, you know, you hope maybe he's... I. It's hard, so hard to say with those. I, it, I hate to use the word recovered. Uh, I, I think there's probably always lasting mm-hmm. trauma from those. I think, in a, I think in a way, I, we need to kind of start treating it 
the way we do alcoholism or other substance abuse problems where you you're always you're always an alcoholic or you're always a concussion concerned mm-hmm. guy you're not you're, you you never actually recover from that it, it's just something you need to 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 deal with and treat as best as you can and learn to cope with it and yeah i mean you, you got to hope Shaw is still capable of continuing his career in a fashion that's similar to his previous production. Uh, he's a guy that's signed for multiple years. It's it's not like Crawford where the team doesn't have any long-term commitments to him. So in Shaw's case, you, you really got to, uh, well, at least in terms of the team's perspective, you really got to... Um, cross your fingers and hope he's able to come back and in that regard i err on the side of caution keep him out as long as you need to if he says he's ready to come back give him another two weeks as far as i'm concerned so i guess we'll leave it there and just if they don't start turning it on we're going to start moving full bore into get ready for next year territory so this is this is the time yeah, um, I'm. Not, you know, I guess maybe we should maybe talk real quick what we're thinking for next week because Tuesday and Wednesday are Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yes, so maybe we might maybe not have, Thursdays. Are, we might are be able, yeah, build the weight on our episode. So yeah, I'll just alert everyone that. So, yeah, I wouldn't. We'll be back before New Year's, but it might not be as quick a turnaround with Christmas and everything. So just alert for everyone. Exactly. All right, and on that note, I I am STH85 on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. And you can follow the podcast on the Apple iTunes store, and until our next episode, go Hawks.